Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Uh, save for um, 2004, this organization hasn't gotten out of the second round since the Stanley got back in the late 1989, and fans are climbing for a rebuild. Like After this type of season, do you anticipate sort of a fundamental shift in how this organization runs its hockey operations, given there hasn't been that real playoff run in in close to 20 years now? Yeah, we're all dying for a deeper playoff run. There's no doubt about it. But, you know, we can take a deep breath here. And, and kind of, and that's what Don's going to do and take a look. And you're going to look at both, you're going to talk to the players, and you're going to do a deep dive in the analytics as well. And, and before you overreact, you don't want to underreact, but you want to overreact. Because you know what we have? We have a Vesna-nominated goalie. I, I would keep him next year, and I can't wait to see Jacob come back and play next year. And, and we've got a really strong defense. And you watch Mackenzie Wigger took some time to kind of get in. But boy, the second half of the season, awesome. And we've got a great, we've got a, we've got a great lineup that underperformed. So before we start, you use the word not me, I'm not allowed to ever use the word rebuild, but, but no, we're not going to overreact here. Take our time, do the analysis, come up with the next step. Everyone a year ago, by the way, looked at us and went, holy mackerel, right? And that's why you drop the puck and play the game. And it didn't quite play out the way we thought it would, but boy, oh boy, oh boy, a year ago, everyone was like a coronation here. And so welcome to sports. And, and there isn't just an A to a B. If there was, everyone else would be doing it. But it's, it's hard. But we're going to do our best. Does Daryl Sutter your coach next season, or does that have to be reviewed? I am uh, reviewing everything in the organization, in management, coaching, players, scouting, um, how we, first of all, with the idea that what happened and why we underachieved and, and how we make this the best organization to, to attain our goals. What up, Sea of Red? You're listening to Into the Flames, a Calgary Flames fan podcast. Your home for all things Flames and updates around the NHL. With your hosts, Raja Burry and Noah Eppleston. Into the Flames, new episodes every Sunday. Yesterday was insane, and we'll get we'll get to it, but listening to the players. I don't know what what was your what was your take on listening to the guys like Huberto and Kadri how they answered questions specifically revolving around Daryl because that's what people are going to be talking about. Could you describe your relationship with Daryl and how these over the course of the season. Yeah, I mean, you know, I think Daryl is that like that. You know, he likes to push button and you know and kind of you know get you going, but. Um, I got nothing to say really like about you know our relationship is good. Like I said, I think it's more like personally and kind of 
you know, it's a different style of player, so that's uh, kind of stuff that I had, you know, adjustment, but I think it's not, uh, me and Daryl had a good relationship. Jonathan, you mentioned sort of fitting into the system. Do you think that you can be your the best version of yourself as a hockey player in this system? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it just got, <laughs> I mean, I sure didn't find it this year, but uh, I mean, I didn't lose my talent in five months, so, you know, that's the kind of stuff I'm saying. I mean, I'm not a different player from what I was last year, so I think it's just to, you know, kind of think about everything and kind of maybe I got to play a little different to here, so you work on some stuff in the summer and come back, but I know what kind of player I am, and it's, you know, it's been a tough year, but it's 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 how you bounce back, and that's what I'm going to do. You know, things boiled over between you and the coach at this point, one point this year. Is that report accurate? Um, I, I don't think so. I mean, there obviously there's a lot of speculation with with all all that stuff. I mean, throw it a nine months together. You know, you're seeing each other every single day. I mean, sometimes you know, even with your teammates, you might butt heads a little bit. And at the end of the day, you, you, you understand that you're a team and uh, you play for each other and you stand up for each other. And I think, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what we improved on throughout the rest of the season. But, you know, to think everything throughout the course of the season is going to just be rainbows and butterflies is just, uh, you know, unrealistic. You know, it's it's not always going to be easy. And there's lots of adversity uh, that we have to face this year. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, obviously, Huberto handled it really well in, in what he said. And, I mean, you see a guy who just had the biggest point drop-off in NHL history um, coming from Florida here. And you see him talk about how he wants to work with Daryl and, and work through this and find a way to get back to his game. Obviously, the guy lost a lot of confidence um, over the season and really wasn't the Jonathan Huberto that everybody's come to know. Um, I, I didn't mind Kadri either. Um, he did just kind of face the question straight up and say, you know, like you're with these people every day. Um, that happens in real life. The people you're with every day, you're going to fight with them. You're going to clash with them too. It doesn't mean that like the whole world's falling apart or anything. And that's kind of how Kadri put it. Um, but it still, it still worries me with Kadri, especially um, just like his effort level heading into next season because like we saw that really dip off after all the Daryl stuff came out came out and and whatnot so I'm hoping to see like a, a motivated determined cadre next year but those two I thought were pretty good along with Marky uh Toffoli um yeah uh there was two guys who didn't have the best exit interviews, that's for sure. Would you consider uh, opening contract talks about an extension here? Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, <laughs> I got one more year and, and you know, I'll, you know, kind of look uh, look at, at it that way and, and uh, you know, um, you know, got one more year and, and that's all I can say. What would need to happen for you to consider staying beyond that year? I don't know. It's it's not July first yet, and and uh, haven't talked and and haven't thought about it. It's just season just ended, and, and we missed the playoffs, so it's just disappointing. Talked about. <laughs> <laughs> you have big decisions to make in the summer. Whether you'll resign in Calgary, are you both interested in remaining Flames beyond uh, next next season? Uh, it's kind of um, we'll see what happens. Um, um, 
I mean, I live, I live been here for a long time, and I love Calgary. I love this organization. Um, uh, but um, the way year we had, uh, I'm 34 years old. Uh, I want to win the Stanley Cup, and uh, you know, um, I uh, so uh, I don't know this summer um, what's going to happen. Um, if they even uh, you know, if they even if they offer us anything or me. Um, uh, you know, I might want to see what this group can do before I make a decision. Hey, Michael, are you interested in uh, extending? Uh, pause. Uh, pause. Uh, pause. I, uh, I, I'm I'm 34 years old. I want to win the cup. I, I like I don't know what's going to happen this summer if they're even going to offer me anything or us anything. He points at Tanev, who's like sitting next to him, like, don't include me in this. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, what, what are you doing? Um, and he was like, I, I just want to win the Stanley Cup. I've only been to the second round here. Uh, the year we had this year, like, pause. It's frustrating for sure. Definitely the hardest season I've played emotionally and mentally. We never met the expectations. I love Backlund to death. I think the entire fan base loves Backlund to death. This guy has been here through literally everything. He has. This is the third nucleus or core that he's been a part of now. I don't blame him. That was as close to stating your non-commitment as you could possibly get without saying trade me. His value is at the highest it's ever been. He just had a career year. If we were smart, which... We'll get to it later on. If we were smart, I don't know how you can sit and talk to the guys that were vocal and, you know, we're, we'll get to Lindholm in a bit and not be like, hey, this is what we would offer you. Take it or leave it. If you're not committed here, you have a beautiful thing called the NHL draft where you could just wheel and deal there, right? And based off of the philosophies that were discussed yesterday, I doubt those deals would be futures based that like you could tell the difference in tone between guys like Huberto guys like to and then guys like Lindholm and Backlund. And I don't know how much of that is them just trying to be as diplomatic as possible. But at the same time, when you're showing diplomacy at a freaking exit conference, the vibe was not great. And I understand people being like, Oh, okay. Then trade them now. It's like, okay, but this time last year, we had exit meetings, and Gaudreau and Kachuk were overly committal. And look what mm -hmm. happened, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, I'm still on the fence. Until something is actually, like, done in terms of a transaction involving either one of those two, I'm not sitting here processing whether or not their, you know, intentions are to leave. But Backlund, I could still, like, see him staying here. Um, Lindholm is the one that worries me more. I think with the the loss of his two line mates from last year in uh, Kachuk and Goudreau really took a toll on Lindholm this year. Um, never found that game again, really. He, he wasn't himself this year. And I think that Goudreau and Kachuk leaving is, is kind of what's going to drive Lindholm to eventually leave uh, next offseason, too. Which sucks, because, like, I mean, I love the guy. I mean, he's one of my favorite flames, if not my favorite flame. Um, I've loved him since the minute we traded for him, pretty much. And 
I thought he could really do something special here. And his, yeah, his exit interview was, he barely said anything. I mean, it was just, well, we have one more year. And that just kind of left it at that almost. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens. We have one more year left. So, can't, can't really expand on that. So, you know, mm-hmm. both of them had that common theme of it being the most frustrating year that, you know, they've been a part of. I don't know, man. I, the haul that you would get for Lindholm it would be insane. You have seven guys expiring at the end of next year. You know, it, it's a decent enough segue to get into Bean's comments yesterday. You know, Solomon Volgi asks him about or the notion of a rebuild. And he straight up goes, I'm not allowed to say that word. Like, I'm not allowed to use that word. So let's say Lindholm and Backlund both go to our new GM, whoever he may be, you know, in the coming weeks. And they say straight up, trade me. What do those deals look like? Are they backland for another roster forward and a pick to replace? Well, you can't really replace what backland has done for this organization. No. Yeah. You bring in a guy who could play third line center and be like, here you go. This is your spot. Lindholm, is that for another roster player? Is that for future? Well, like the thing is with me, Lindholm... Look at what Nashville got for Tanner Janot in this trade deadline. The draft capital that they collected off of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Infinity Stones. <laughs> like five picks. Yeah. One in every round. Like I it's you don't want to see the Flames do these player swaps anymore. They haven't worked out for us ever. It's been the Flames go to since I can remember, since I started walking pretty much. Um, like, it, when is it finally time to build something here? Instead of have that mentality of, oh, we lost this guy. Let's try and plug the hole with somebody else. And eventually just get worse and worse and worse. With never really building a team up here in Calgary. Like, that's what frustrates the crap out of me. And then with the exit interview of, well, Brad for living. We saw Bean completely shut down the idea, like almost threw up all over the press conference table after hearing the word rebuild. And it's just, it feels like we're just heading back into mediocrity. Like, I feel like we're heading back into worse than mediocrity. Like, it feels like we're heading back into that timeline that we were a little too young for, but we understand it like that 2010 to 2013 window of just what is going on here. It feels like that's what this is trending to. And the worst part about all this too, is that like the team could go in next year and be awesome. Okay. Okay. After next year, what then, then what you have seven guys expiring, right? Mm -hmm. So are you banking on, Next year being your version of last year where guys bounce back and you have a great year and then you just watch everyone leave in the summer. That's that's what it seems like they're banking on. That's the vibe that I'm getting from it. I don't know about you, but Yeah, that no, like that that's that's what's gonna happen. Like that's what's set in stone, it seems like. Mm-hmm. And like this team, I'm sorry, like they're not good enough to win a cup next year right now. Like, and I don't think there's many changes or upgrades that you can make 
to make them a cup contender. I mean, looking around the NHL right now, there is teams that are completely solidified and, and ready to go for years to come. And that was from a vision and a plan. And like, it sucks. It sucks. It's yeah. It, it boils it, like literally watching yesterday, like boiled my blood. Like not only the fact that he was like, Oh, I'm not allowed to say that word. Cause that that's, that's a direct message from ownership. Um, and it basically confirms what we've been led to believe this entire time as fans, but it straight up like put, put the seal on it. Like, yep, this is how we do business. That sentiment was more than echoed yesterday. Did you pick up the part when Francis doubled down on the, hey, Francis, unblock me, by the way, on the whole um, rebuild question that Salem asked? Mm-hmm. And being straight up went, well, it depends on where you're at. And then he said that they contemplated it mm-hmm. last year and they had two deals in place. They had the Florida deal and then they had another rebuild-esque style deal that was in place for Kachuk. They were debating which direction to go and then they took the Florida deal. I guess that proves true that New Jersey Devils rumor then. Yeah, definitely, actually. That that probably would have been the spot. I've sat there, I'm like, Don Maloney, bro, please, for the love of God, hire someone who is, uh, like, based off of his, you know, wording, he wants to hire somebody who's progressive someone who's a sharp person and on the cusp of, of getting his chance i was yeah, i was just gonna bring this up I, I wanted to run over with you like what kind of direction the flames are gonna go in general manager wise like are we and after maloney said that i do feel a little more comfortable but how much is ownership gonna play into this as well this morning francis again was on a serious xm nhl radio and i had a buddy of mine basically echo the sentiment he's in the states and he straight up said today that francis mentioned that the flames are looking at three candidates in terms of honing in on the list is obviously greater but there are <laughs> guys that they are interested in and he also noted something interesting he said i think the flames are waiting on the playoffs as Dubas's contract expires after this season. So they're waiting to see how things play out. I think it would be absolutely asinine for him to drop that if there was no validity to that statement. That would be absolutely ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Straight up, put that out there. Hypothetically speaking, what would be your thoughts on that? If Kyle Dubas even gets let go in Toronto, I think that would exactly. be ridiculous on their part. In the weird chance he's available... I would say the Flames should do everything in their power to go for him. And a guy like Polsky is what we need over in Carolina. <laughs> Guys that are analytically driven, that understand the league is now speed and skill. And yeah, he he's working around four guys making a lot of money, right? Like in Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander. All those guys are making a lot of money and he's working around it. My thing is, is he also seems to be very... What word am I looking for? Like... Something comes up, it's not working, he makes a change. It seems like he's always like just throwing guys out, bringing in new guys, throwing guys out, bringing in new guys. And it's kind of like what Brad Living has been doing here. Like, I mean, you saw them at the trade deadline. Toronto went ballistic at the trade deadline, and I think they made six or seven trades or something like that. Yeah. And my other concern also, how well do Dubis and Sutter see eye to eye? Maloney was also very non-committal when I asked about Daryl. 
if Daryl was their guy moving forward, he would have been implicit and said that. He mm-hmm. wouldn't have been like, I'm reviewing everything from coaching to the scouting. Uh, please review scouting. For the love of God, bring in new pro scouts. I do not want another Kevin Rooney deal. Please, for the love of God. Um, like When he said that, I was like, there we go. He said scouting. <laughs> That's something that, oh, man. That's, <laughs> I don't know, man. I think... Let's be let's be realistic. If the Leafs lose in the first round, yeah, there's a chance that Dubis and Keefe are gone. Yeah. So do you look at bringing the Maple Leafs tandem here to Calgary to try and give them another shot? Because I, in my opinion, I don't think Dubis and Sutter see eye to eye very well at all in any situation. I don't think half the organization is seeing eye to eye with Sutter right now, let alone alone an outside hire that would come in. This is the way I see it, right? Let's say they do decide that Daryl is the guy for at least next season. I doubt it's on a very long leash. I don't believe Daryl has a long leash. No. However. Especially Um, based off the fact of they don't want to rebuild or have this team drop off. And they believe that everything is still in place the way it is. My thing is, is like, usually when a GM comes in, he wants to hire his guy, right? Brad, Mm -hmm. when he inherited the team, Bob Hartley was the coach that lasted literally not that long. And he Uh, was after a Jack Adams win, might I add. And he just straight up said, Okay, I'm bringing in my guy, Glenn Gullison, right? Now, hire aside, right? GMs, when they usually take over, they want to bring in their guy. And Daryl has two years left. Maloney and company make the decision of saying, Daryl's not our guy. We're going to probably bring in a new coach this summer. If they decide to move forward and a new GM comes in, I think Daryl has a year. I think Daryl has next season. Any sort of thing that would set off the organization or create more rumblings of, I guess, dysfunction between him and the players, he's done. Because in my opinion, I think that leash is very short right now. And if a new GM were to come in, from an organizational standpoint, they're going to try their absolute hardest to make your one of that work. So they only have to buy out one year. Mm -hmm. That's the way I see it. Yeah, no, I I agree with you on that. I mean, I don't know. I kind of had a hunch that the Flames were just going to clear house after the year. I thought it was going to be for living and Sutter. You too. Um, Just based off of everything that happened this year and all the clashing between players, like you said. But you're right with the when a new general manager comes in, he usually has his plan and doesn't really like to acquire too much of the old. He wants to start fresh bring in his own guy, get his own personnel rolling. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think it all depends on the hire as well. Um, if yeah. you see an old-fashioned general manager style, maybe Sutter does stand a chance here. But if the Flames are looking at a progressive, analytical, different kind of way here in Calgary, then Daryl might might be in some trouble and might not uh, have too long of a leash. If you want someone who's progressive and inventive, Eric Tulski, please come manage our team. He has been the assistant general manager in Carolina for, I think, the last three years now. From a data and analytics perspective, he's literally one of the brightest 
minds in the game. The Hurricanes are also known to be efficient with their use of the cap, so that could be something that we'd inherit, bringing a guy like him in here. They find diamonds in the rough when it comes to free agents. That's not mm-hmm. something we're used to. We're used to Neil Brower, and if it were up to me, Eric Tulski would have already been hired by now. I'm being dead serious. The guy is knocking on the door, wants his chance. And that's another thing that Maloney also noted. That was a big thing that he noted. Yeah. That's why I, when you, when you look at it, I'm like, okay, so you're either internally promoting from within an agent Mm -hmm. that you're going to give the reins to cough Conroy, right? Or you go outside higher, same sort of, you know, methodology. I highly doubt that if Kyle Dubas ever, well, like if he did become available, I don't think our ownership group wins that bid. I, I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't see him leaving Toronto, even though it is a possibility. No, I, I, I don't either. Everything is so up in the air still, right? Like we have somewhat of an idea of a plan. Okay. The plan is to do the exact same thing and hope for a different result. Good to know. So who's the guy that is going to come in and alleviate that? Brad just stepped away. You told them on Wednesday, yeah, I'm, I'm done. How much of this is the owners doing? Because when <laughs> Brad Living is the best general manager you've had in a very, very, very long time, that's a sentiment from ownership. After yesterday's pressure, like to what, which GM is going to come in here and be like, I'm going to fix this mess and just pray that I don't have too many constraints. That that's the thing is <laughs> you are taking on such a big pile of just garbage that you have to weed through to, to try and right the ship here. Um, I, I like, there's not too much you can say and not too much you can really look at, at the direction of this team until we do see maybe candidates or, or, or an actual hiring come through for that general manager spot, because that's going to be really telling of, of what's going to happen here in Calgary. I can't r- judge where my confidence level is at right now until we know who's coming in. I just really hope that ownership doesn't override Maloney if Maloney actually is looking for that progressive thinker. Yeah, and that you kind of have to hope, but ownership doesn't have a great track record. Oh man, it's so scary looking for a new it's general terrifying. manager. I am terrified. The thing with Daryl, right? Like the initial plan was that he would be up by now. I feel like ownership's instinct is to hire a vet. Like I a, think so too. Like a Ken Holland type. For whoever. Oh, God, don't even say his name out there. Dude, we're, it, like seriously, I am terrified at the notion. Yeah. I saw Hextall get fired in Pittsburgh and I was like, oh, sweet Jesus. They missed the playoffs for the first time in what? What is it? How long was their playoff streak? Like 17 years or something like that? was yeah it was since 2006 that was the last time they missed they missed the playoffs one time and fire their entire front office (laughs) everybody gone like where the hell is that in calgary listening to john bean yesterday it was like murray had like a bomb strapped to his like shirt from the back and was just like watching from the corner like you say anything about retweet, <laughs> I swear to God, Jonathan, you're gonna go down. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I listen. I think Don Maloney has the best of intentions. He seems like a guy that cares about people and cares about actually wanting to create something good here. 
because that's all he's echoed. Talking about his goal, he said straight up, we're going to work very, very hard to bring a championship team to Calgary. I'll hold you to that because step one is bringing in a guy that can do that. Get Uh, working. You decided on no rebuild. Okay. So prove to me that you can be competitive. What's the plan five years from now? Right? I want to be able to go to watch next season totally hyped that we're in a playoff spot comfortably and going to the dance because this sucks. This absolutely sucks. Yeah. As awesome as the playoff games were last night, I mean, to kick it off, it sucks, right? Watching, especially the Oilers. Um, even though they blew a three goal, a two goal lead, which was awesome. Yeah. yeah. But uh, no, it sucks having to sit from the outside and watch the playoffs while all of your players are in Cancun or the golf course right now. I'm just praying to the Lord that ownership does not override Maloney and that Maloney stays true to that sentiment. Because the second I heard progressive thinker, I was like, I was like, I'm available. Just kidding. <laughs> um, uh, but like, I was like, all right, like this sounds too good to be true. Like that, mm-hmm. like that, that sells me on a bunch of shit. Actually follow through with it. My trust issues kicked in last year when Gizrak <laughs> said, yeah, I'd love to stay. And then they both did. Lindholm, there's a higher chance of Lindholm getting dealt this summer than Backland. I think Backland will probably be a flame next season up until the deadline. I think if we're if, I think if we're a bubble team at the deadline, then we trade him. The Flames organization is a mess right now, and until it's proven otherwise that you're going to be bringing in a guy that will unmuck what's already mucked up, on paper, this team could totally, totally, totally bounce back next year and be in a playoff spot. We Every possible thing that could have went wrong went wrong, and we were two points out. Mm-hmm. technically three with a tiebreaker, but whatever. For the sake of the argument, we were two points out. No, yeah, it, and, that, and that's the thing. I mean, the pieces are still here. You do have what it takes to get in the playoffs. For me, it's just that vision of, of bigger than the playoffs, right? Like, it seems like around here, um, if you make the playoffs, then you're good. It doesn't really matter. Like, obviously, they still try to win, but if they, like, lose, it seems like management's fine, coach is fine, Ownership's happy with that, um, which there needs to be a change in in mindset and what really this organization wants to get out of itself. It's a bell curve. The second you think things are going up, for- mm-hmm. oh, new vision. Of- I guess to quickly speak on Brad a little bit, Rhett brought up a good point on Barnburner the other day. I think it was yesterday. Um, he straight up said that. I- Brad Tree Living's vision got eclipsed the second Sam Bennett didn't turn out. After thinking about that, that actually kind of clicked. Because let's say Bennett became a 70-80 point guy. And suddenly you had Gaudreau, Monaghan, Bennett, Kachuk. You had pieces that were would have turned into a deadly core. Went home, yeah. You need to inject youth into the lineup. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the good news is that with how cap strapped they are, they have no choice but to. Until we know who's coming in, it's really hard to sit. It is. Exactly. There's a million different theories that you could go with of of what this team is going to do and what direction they're going to go. But yeah, until there's a GM hire, those pieces really aren't going to fall into place until you see 
even just a list of possible candidates is something that you can start narrowing it down, picking at where they're going to go. But for now, I mean, it could be anybody. It's, it's all up in the air right now. So yeah. If you guys like our content, feel free to hit the like button, subscribe. And uh, yeah, we've got some content coming for you as soon as news drops. We'll have that out among other things too. So stay on the lookout for that. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Thanks for listening, everybody.